Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 62. The clock is ticking. people ask me why don't you have guests on the web chat and report and you know all i gotta say is who's laughing now about no guests who's laughing now i spent way way too long on working on that intro but we're all gonna die man i have a evernote that I use to make notes throughout the week of what I'm going to talk about in my podcast. And today it says intro bullet point one, we're all going to die. So then I thought I would just make that intro. Not that I'm making light of it. I am not one of those people that doesn't think this is a big deal. Although one of my former partners at Quotidian lives in Westchester County and he's been doing intense math in a Google spreadsheet based on Cuomo's daily press conferences to Westchester County where they have America's only drive through clinic now and he's been studying a percentage of positives have tested and prorating that against the population as a whole in Westchester County trying to put in a coefficient for how likely people would be to get tested if they had symptoms. He thinks the coefficient is near 100% that everybody that has symptoms would go get tested, because why not? But of course, that doesn't account for illegal immigrants or people that are scared about the hospital bills once they're there, since only the tests are free. But really, he came out with a 3.5% to 0.05% spread in the population in Westchester County, and it has been leveling off now that they have been using the appropriate techniques, so he is starting to feel okay about things. That was very helpful of him to tell tell me all that two days ago, because it calmed me down a little bit. Um, You know, it's been a really rough week here. Emma's sick. Jane's sick. I got her friend Ashley sick, and her kid George sick, who visited us last week. It was lovely having them here. I'm sorry I gave them such a parting gift. Uh, Emma didn't have a fever. I was sick the week before when I was in New York, which was just a joke. (laughs) Even by then, two weeks ago, walking around New York with a cough, even if you cover it properly, you got a lot of glares. I can't even imagine now. But uh, none of us have fevers. Jane had a low-level one-degree, two-degree fever the first couple days, but Ashley doesn't have a fever. I don't. I didn't have a fever. Emma didn't have a fever. We are like the millions of people in America right now that have the flu during this time of the coronavirus. It's quite lovely. But, I mean, Emma's on day seven. Jane's on day seven. Jane's on the mend. Emma's not really on the mend. It's been pretty stressful. Uh, you know, like I'm generally a pretty good prepper. <laughs> I'm a, I would characterize myself as like a low level casual prepper, you know, like, uh, I got a neighbor, as you know, a former neighbor friend here that down here that was in JSOC and is a hardcore prepper. 
And we, we talk about it all the time around the bonfires, you know, and he had me read that book one second after, which was about serious prepping based on an EMP explosion over the United States. Uh, but I'd always sort of said to him that, you know, it's like different scenario prepping, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, prepping in New York City versus here, prepping at home, power outage prepping versus complete general mayhem versus a virus versus electronic viruses where the entire Internet goes down. They all sort of have different nuances to them, you know. And in a one way, I feel like this is kind of like perfectly... This, this, this insanity, this, this pandemic is perfectly suited towards my prepping habits because I'm really a shelter in place kind of prepper, right? Like Rocky's got this big, well, he just sold it. I assume he sold it to buy a new one, but he had this big monster truck with got enough gas tanks permanently filled to get him to his mountain hideaway. And I, you know, he'd be like, leave some survival medals and whiskey by the door and I'll take you with me. And, you know, but I, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I, I'm really going to shelter in place. And because I've always thought that the most likely kind of sort of doomsday scenarios would be stuff like this pandemics or digital pandemics right like we're full on rule of law wouldn't break down more akin to the the great depression you know what i mean you still have the police force so like yeah there might be a home invasion or two but generally speaking you you're not gonna have to worry too much about your house getting invaded it's gonna be more like nobody has any money or food or internet or electricity and those sorts of things you know i've prepped really well for we have electricity we have like infinite storage i have <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. The last couple of weeks, they definitely like exposed a couple flaws in my prepping. You know, my rule of keeping the freezer full and uh, every non-perishable good to have at least one month supply backup, things like deodorant and stuff like that. But there are a few that Emma had been buying on subscribe and save and things like that that we only had one of. So in my successive several trips out there and stocking up, uh, those have been fixed. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's pretty we're in pretty good place. Like, I wish that, like, my family wasn't sick. And of course, I wish this whole thing wasn't happening. And of course, I wish that people weren't going to die. I mean, I don't mean to make light of the whole thing. I'm just telling you how I'm doing in this time. Uh, but, uh, you know, it does kind of play to my strengths. Also, because I have that kind of prepping freak out mentality, I, I was like one week ahead of each wave in the stores. Well, I mean, yeah, basically. So three, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, when I started doing some surveying of the weak spots in our prepping stockpiles, I'd go to the store. And, you know, by that point, like the Purell and the wipes were already gone. I got one bottle of generic wipes, but actually like we were already, we keep that stuff in the house in pretty good quantities. So we had three tubes of wipes and two Purells. So I didn't really need to buy any of that. I, not that I ever could have, it's not, it's been out of ill, all out of stock, every store near me for the last three weeks. But I didn't really need to because we keep that on hand. So I bought, I focused on things like the canned goods, frozen goods, meats, anything I was missing, you know, uh, the hand soaps, like, uh, you know, we had a lot of bars, but each of the, the, the squirty ones, we didn't have any backups, uh, toilet paper. Emma is always keeps a ton in the house cause you got a big house buying bulk is cheaper, right? Costco, that's the whole thing. Suburbs are like economically incented to live here because you can get bigger discounts and stuff. Everything's cheap. So we always had like tons of toilet paper in the house, but, uh, you know, so that first week I was buying stuff like brown rice or canned goods or frozen vegetables and frozen meats as well as stocking up on any fresh stuff. 
And then the second week I went out and, you know, by that point, it's just sort of stuff I missed. Like I didn't realize that the laundry detergent and the dish soap were running out. We didn't have backups. So I got backups of those, you know, and by that point, all the hand soap, the, the, the soft sand soap, the liquid hand soap was all gone everywhere. And, and they're starting to make a dent in, you know, the, the, the less perishable milks, the oat milks and the soy milks and the flax milks and things like that, which I had gotten week one. And then this week, today, this morning, I just went out. I go out in the morning, by the way, first thing, really early, 7 a.m., maybe even earlier, 6.30. Em and I got a new system. Like, she sleeps near the baby. And in the old days, since Jane was born, I would take her out with me on these morning errands. But A, she's sick, so we don't want glares. B, I don't want her getting more sick. And C, she slows me down. So what we've been doing is, like, I just go out on my own and... Jane sleeps and Emma listens and if if she were to get up and cry while I was out shopping Emma would take care of it but it hasn't actually happened every time I've gone out Jane has just slept she's sick so she's sleeping till like nine now which is kind of nice but it doesn't matter it's mood I'm up at like 6 30 uh, but today I went out you know, first thing in the morning, really early, do, do everything before the people are there. That's my thinking, right? You go in, because <laughs> there, there are seven cases in the counties near us, and on a per capita basis, that's like roughly equivalent to New York. So, you know, I mean, there's one in our county. There's only 50,000 people in our county, so God knows where he lives. They won't tell you. Anyway, uh, so I go first thing in the morning because, you know, it lasts five to six hours to ten hours, the germ sitting on surfaces. But by then in the morning, like anybody, anything that got dirty the night before should have presumably died. And I get there first and I, it's easy to social distance because there's nobody there. And, and then I peer out in the car and then I wipe my phone down when I get home. And but today it was just, I mean, it was just insane. Like everything's gone. All the, all the fresh meat is gone. Uh, the bananas are gone. I, I, why? How do you, how do you, how do you stockpile bananas? I, I said this on Facebook and people told me a lot about uh, freezing bananas and things like that. And I get that, but you know, I mean, I got to feed my baby, right? Uh, I got five bananas still and Emma just made banana bread out of the old ones. So, uh, you know, like I, I'll, I'll go down to half a banana a day. I should be good for the week and I'll sneak out on a Tuesday when the restockings happen and get a couple more bananas. But like my list today was <laughs> comical <laughs> nobody could accuse me of being a prepper today. I bought some organic potting soil because it's gardening season. I bought a, a gallon of soy sauce because I realized my big thing of soy sauce was almost out. Uh, one can of baby corn, one can of mung bean sprouts, uh, the extra detergent, laundry detergent today. Uh, frozen fruit too. I hadn't done that yet. Uh, and you know, because Jane eats fruit, right? And we got to feed our baby fruit and vegetables and we had it stocked up on the vegetables. We hadn't stocked up on the fruit and we had run out of our jam that she eats. It's this like special fancy, no sugar, just fruit, not jelly or preserves. So I got two of those and I was like, ah, is this hurting getting two of these? Cause you know, I mean, I had a long talk and I introduced her to my one in one out first in first out system. And you buy one, you buy the replacement when you open the second one, that sort of thing. And so I was like, I got to start this with a couple things like the jam and the laundry detergent. But you know, I really wasn't like, I, I'm done. Like there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing else to buy. This house is stocked to the gills. We could stay here for months at this point if we had to, um, I did get some raspberry lime fizzy water, which is nice because that's my favorite flavor. I got to the, I already had, obviously we have enough water, but like, which is another hilarious thing. People are just like stockpiling water. And I'm like, this is not a water emergency guys. That is not the thing you need to be stockpiling. Like three weeks ago when it first started and they ran out of Purell and Clorox wipes, all the stores in their front lobby where they put the specials, it was all water. And I was like, this is what you do in a hurricane. We don't need water right now, but people bought it anyway. People buy a ton of water. 
It's really fascinating. And yeah, I know people, you know, I said this online and people were like, oh, some people only drink bottled water. Which I think that person was actually agreeing with me. They were making fun of people that drink bottled water, but it should be caveated that I've had the water tested here and it's perfectly potable. So, I mean, you know, we're, we don't live in a place where you need to drink bottled water. Some places, obviously you live in Flint or every other place Mark Edwards is working on. I have a Google alert on that guy, by the way, the guy from University of Virginia, the academic that worked with the Flint water crisis people. You want to know what's going on with water in America? Just put make a Google alert on Mark Edwards, UVA, and you'll learn about every city that's got fucked up water. It's kind of, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> like I said, I'm a prepper. Uh, yeah, anyway, I was really born for this in a way, this half-assed sort of doomsday. I would obviously die in a real one, but like, this is, this is right up my alley. And it's, you know, like one of the things I've taken enjoyment in and getting out of the city, obviously I'm feeling pretty smug about it right now. I was in New York, you know, nine days ago and I still miss it. And I love that town and my heart goes out to everyone there. And, you know, I mean, there are times I still wish I lived there. It's not like I have no regrets. I, every life is trade-offs, right? I live here and I would make the same choice again. Again, but I fucking love New York and I love Boston. I miss living in the city, but it's really expensive. So one of the things I have been doing to make myself feel better about it is doing this, you know, neurotic prep stuff, like getting the solar panels and the batteries. And I really want a chest freezer, but Emma like keeps logically walking me through it. She's like, well, in a hurricane emergency, yes, theoretically we could keep the chest freezer going with the, the power walls, but it is going to be a real drain on them and it might not work. And in an emergency like this, it's moot because, you know, we can eat whatever. And I was like, oh, but I really want one. And my friend Nick visited recently. See how I'm weaving in the actual things that happened in my life. We had a bunch of visitors. I mentioned Nick visiting last time, but he just got a chest freezer and it made me so jealous. So yeah, anyway, that's what's going on here. Uh, talking about the serious stuff from last time, my dad, you know, we've been having a really hard time getting a hold of the doctor in Anchorage. We gave him this horrible diagnosis of PSP. Uh, not that we doubt that, but I wanted to see if we could get a prognosis off of the MRI, and we can't get a hold of the guy, so I have no formal prognosis. I have no long, no idea how long my dad has to live, and uh, it's been stressing me out. It's been stressing his brother out. They are on a trip where they couldn't get out quickly. Something went wrong. My mom tells me he's still swallowing, which is sort of like the six-month mark. So I think I got time. I Hopefully, I can see my father again, right? Uh, yeah, it's a little stressful. And then, of course, like, uh, I don't know if any of you read that New York Times article about the clinic in Seattle that was, like, doing flu testing when the coronavirus first came to America, and they decided to test all the people in their flu study, and they found, like, people with community spread as early as February 20th in Seattle. And I'm from a man that flew, there was a man diagnosed on the 24th in Seattle that had flown in from Wuhan. And it's like, this is exactly the time when I passed through the Seattle SeaTac twice for a total of nine hours. So of course, Emma is just can't get it out of her head that we all have coronavirus, COVID-19, COVID-19, uh, even though we don't have a fever. So we are, that is one of the reasons we're social, whatever you call it. <laughs> We're becoming recluses, and when I do go out, I'm very careful because, you know, even though we don't have the fever, like, you can't be too careful, right? But tying it back, like, with my dad, that's a whole thing, right? So even if, like, eventually this sort of, like, mitigates a little bit, I got to get there, and God knows if I have it or not, and he's, like, dying, and I was like, am I going to infect him, you know? I don't even know. It's like, I've been in, <laughs> yay me, I've been in Seattle and New York since this hit America, so it's just awesome. At least I didn't go to Westchester County or see Scott. Sorry, Scott, I love you. 
Emma and Jane haven't been out of the, haven't left the home in uh, at least a week. It's been a week since they went out. They've left the house. Or I should say the neighborhood. We uh, went to a bonfire last weekend next door. That's really helpful. Very easy to social distance when you got like a 15-foot diameter circle around your bonfire. And we walk up and down the neighborhood street because it's just lovely out. I mean, today it's like 70 and sunny. And, and, you know, I know it's nice in New York, too. But it's been lovely here for like a week. And we've been walking again. And it's great. Jane is uh, she's a very good walker last year. It was... It was like pulling teeth, getting her to walk up and down the street. She would wander into the woods and into the grass, and she would stop and look at the cracks, and everything was amazing. And now she generally walks. She does, you know, like, gets in and out of the stroller and needs to take a lot of breaks to stop and drink her water bottle. But she knows she needs to walk on the street, towards the street. She knows to go to the side when there's a car coming. So the walks are much more pleasant. Last year it was, like, really... These walks are not pleasant. They are just getting the baby trained. But now we're reaping those rewards, so... We run into neighbors sometimes on the walks and we all social distance when we're like talking on the street. Everybody maintains like 10 feet distance while you have these chats on the street. It's pretty funny. And then sometimes, you know, Jane really likes the two of our across the street neighbors, Bob and Cindy, and they, they love kids. You know, they have like many grandkids and, and Jane just runs towards them and it's like, no, Jane, we're all, you're sick and we're social distancing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I will also say like, uh, sick kids you know it's interesting she still can be happy she's generally in a pleasant mood and there's a few things in the world that is more heartbreakingly beautiful than a sick but happy kid man if i knew about this feeling back in my younger years i would have had kids a lot earlier man i don't know why i said that that's like weave some narrative that i didn't want kids from 26 on but i did just had to find the right lady uh anyway uh she's good yeah and uh yeah like uh you know she had like snotty nose for like four or five days didn't stop her and <laughs> we just kept having to wipe it but uh that's gone away mostly now and she's still got a cough but it's not as bad i think jane's on the mend. emma not so much so it's it's pretty rough uh i tell you what else was going around in the county but it's weird right like so friday i Normally I do that, you know, like I said, I will do everything first thing in the morning, but there are a couple things I couldn't do first thing in the morning because they don't open till nine. And so on Friday we decided we have, we have this whole other dilemma, right? Like we could hold up here forever, but there is only one case in the County, which seems like a lot actually. And, uh, I feel bad for all our restaurants and local businesses that we, you know, that we, that we patronize. And so I, on Friday, we're like, we got to go to our local pizza place, man. That place is the best. And I don't want to go out of business. So I went out, I was worried that like, there'd be no business because the only time I'm ever out is at 7am and I don't see anybody, but all the store shelves are just decimated. So I'm like, people are freaking out, but nobody's out. You see these pictures on Twitter from people now, like the airports, nobody's anywhere. But, uh, man, you know, I went out Friday afternoon to get my dry cleaning and a bottle of, uh, <laughs> like a bottle of Fernet. And I don't remember. There's something else I needed. Oh, the CVS. I had to get my prescriptions. All those three are open at 7 a.m. So I had to like, you know, do this trip. So it was like 5 p.m. Go to the pizza place. Everybody's out. Everything is packed. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is way too many people. It's freaking me out. Like these people do not have a proper sense of urgency. And I, you know, Friday's the day really that like, I think the shit really hit the fan for the public. That's the day Trump did his idiot travel ban, quote unquote ban. That's the day the NBA stopped playing. And I, I feel like that was the day that like, if you weren't paying much attention, you started to think maybe this is real, but you would not know it. 
in North Chatham County, North Carolina at 5 p.m. on Friday, man. Everybody was out. And I think a lot of them now, are, are, you know, the shelves are decimated. A lot of people working Monday through Friday, they didn't have a choice. Some of the big employers here haven't closed yet, you know. I mean, obviously, Biogen, second biggest office. We had seven cases down here from the Biogen conference in Boston. Thank you, Boston. But uh, I think a lot of RTP is still open. I think, like, Cisco and Epic Games and all those, you know, IBM, the big, the big employers in, in RTP, I think all of them are still open. Uh, no, you know, that's not true. My neighbor works at IBM. He said that they're, they're, they're shut. And then my other neighbor at Apple, he said they're shut. So, but I don't know, man. I don't know what all these people are doing now. They have not closed the schools here yet. And, uh, so I'm just, that was it. I will like, we, I, I, I patronized them and I, I want to patronize or I'm really, especially, Oh, I, we got Chinese food on Thursday. Cause like, again, you know, people are racist and then I want to patronize our other Asian. There's a pan Asian joint we go to once a week and they love Jane. Um, and I don't want to bring Jane cause she's sick and I want people to get freaked out, but I want to at least go get delivery and, and take out and say hi and tip well. And I might, might try and convince Emma to do that tonight. Uh, I don't really know. It's, it's like this, it's like, I want to be safe, but I also don't want everything to go out of business, you know? And, um, it'd be cool if the, I could buy like gift cards without going there or something. I don't know. I don't know. It is very hard to strike a balance. I think we're all going through that and it's, it's pretty rough. But anyway, in terms of Chatham County, you, you if you went out in the morning into the grocery stores, you would think that this county is taking it seriously. If you went out at 5 PM, you would think these people are all insane. Uh, the the county has said a couple things, you know, we're, we're monitoring, we're being careful. They haven't really offered, I mean, I don't expect them to like tell us everything about this dude that's got the virus here. He got it in Italy uh, and they seem to have caught it pretty quick as far as I can tell, but they don't say where he lived. I mean, rich old guy that went to Italy, I assume he's in Fearington Village. No offense, <laughs> Fearington Village. Uh, it's about four miles up the road. It's like a rich people retirement home. Looks like Stars Hollow from Gilmore Girls. But, uh, you know, those people all shop in my stores, right? So, like, uh, I did see my first face mask today down here. Uh, you know, I saw them on the planes, obviously, the whole time and in New York. But uh, this first one I saw down here is on a very elderly lady in a wheelchair at Walmart at 7 a.m. with an assistant helping her buy stuff. So, you know, I'm good for her. She should be wearing one. Uh, I wouldn't go out at all if I was her age. But I that's the first one I've seen. Yeah. All right. So that's everything. I think that's most of our coronavirus in Chatham County update. Let's let's talk media here. I am still doing all my archiving media projects. I've had a lot of time in the house, so they, they're getting done pretty well. Uh, I have ripped 103 mixtapes now. I'm making good progress. I think I got about 15, 20 left. I, I had estimated I would be done with the project yesterday, and that did not happen. I think I can finish it this week, so that'll be good. And then I got about 10 other tapes that are like demos and, and, and recordings that I don't have on other media. I, a lot of those I probably won't have to rip. I just need to see if they're on the internet somewhere. I can get them in some other way digitized. And then I'll be done with the cassettes, and that'll be very exciting. And then I move on to the four-track cassettes. Uh, in between, I'm going to rip the Virgin Prunes Heresy on vinyl because it is my vinyl is awesome and the CD is super expensive and I might as well just rip this vinyl because the vinyl ripping station is rad, which is what I used for that intro with the Watchmen soundtrack thing from American Hero Story on this very episode. Just ran over there and used the the vinyl ripping station. It was pretty sweet. Uh, but anyway, then I move on to the four tracks. And so that's kind of cool. Like, uh, doing this a little out of order, but the other night when I was laying in bed, I couldn't sleep and it was the travel band night and I was like, the world's going to die. And I put on all the songs that I had started for album number two of defective frequency. 
And they're all not anything like each other. There's like an atonal classical noise one, uh, atonal classical one strings. Then there's like a noisy drone that sounds kind of like grindcore. And then there's like a ethereal sort of shoegaze one. But as I was listening to them all, I was like, this actually, you know what? I could just make, I could make this into a cohesive album, I think. And then I was thinking with the pot, with the four track stuff, I bet there's interesting stuff. And would it be interesting? I, this is what I'm mulling over right now. I got some time because I'm going to do all the four track stuff. So I got at least a month. But would it be interesting to make an album, a sort of assemblage type of album of both of those things? old four track recordings from the nineties. So 30 year old recordings and then new stuff made here and then kind of assemble it all together and then sit with it for a while before adding lyrics. That's kind of what I'm sort of contemplating. I don't know if that would really qualify as a defective frequency album or maybe it would be something else, but that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, with the photo albums. So I got all those photos from my grandparents and I, I, I kind of fucked this up. I sent them off in one of those Kodak boxes. I didn't really have a choice cause there was a lot of slides and now with the coronavirus, I have no idea if I'm ever getting it back. <laughs> they did send an email. They're like, you'll have this in six weeks. And I'm like, really? There are people employed in your lab that are going to just risk being assembled in large places to scan people's photos. I don't know about that, man, but I'm hoping at least they send them back to me. So we'll see. That's kind of, that's a little stressful. We'll see. Uh, yeah, man, archiving uh, twice this week. I just have to say once on the ex-barbarian Slack and once on Facebook, somebody asked about an old barbarian project and wanted to see or hear something from it. And I just pulled it out of the archive. I have been relentlessly archiving for so long. I can do it from my phone in like a matter of seconds. <laughs> it felt really good. <laughs> I was like, Ashley was like, oh man, I can't believe you did that that fast. And I was like, yeah, I do have a bit of a problem, but it's fun. It's fun. I'm having a good time. Well, with the archiving, I, I am kind of a person made to be stuck at home. I have a lot of projects that I could just keep doing for like six months. Um, been doing the Blu-ray ripping. It's going really well. I'm going to sell a bunch. I sold one on eBay as an experiment. I sold the Toy Story 4 Ultra, High, Ultra HD Blu-ray that I bought, and I've got a bunch more now. I've got E.T., Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Terminator, Ex Machina, Zombieland 2, and... Beautiful day in the neighborhood. I bought them all on Ultra HD at Walmart, and I've ripped them to 4K, and now I'm going to sell them on eBay. So we shall see if that works. Uh, I'm going to keep a few, though. I did buy The Hunger and Mystery Men. <laughs> Remember Mystery Men? That's a great movie. And uh, the Abrams Star Trek trilogy got those. The Hunger and Mystery Men are only on Blu-ray. They're not on a 4K, but I had like crappy, like not even 720 copies of those. And both those Blu-rays are like eight bucks. I've been spending like my free Amazon money for my Amazon chase card on this stuff. So I don't even pay for them. You know what I mean? And then I bought the Star Trek new ones on Ultra HD. So I got, that's all ripped. I think I'm going to keep those though. And uh, I'm going to sell the other ones. That's, that's my next task for today is get those up on eBay. I figure there's a lot of people that are like closed up in their house it and want some media that, that toy story one sold in like a day so i mean you know it's like 50 60 percent of list price so i do take a hit but you end up paying like seven eight dollars for a legally obtained 4k copy and i'm like that's like a lot less than going to the movies so so i'm into that uh discogs let's see i sold five four four things i sold the charm rock single the uk cd single on hut records by smashing pumpkins that's a great song man you know i, I i'm i'm 
Smashing Pumpkins, early-ish Smashing Pumpkins are one of Emma's favorite bands, and I often give her shit because I loved Gish. I saw the Gish tour twice, and, uh, I, you know, I'm always like, oh, I don't know, Siamese Dream is okay, but who am I fucking kidding? Siamese Dream is a great record, you know? It's like this Smashing Pumpkins are going to be the police of this era where the later output taints, they're the Smiths, the earlier output, but uh, early Smashing Pumpkins is still really good. I listened to Cherub Rock again, I was like, oh yeah, this is good. Uh, and then I sold this uh, CD. Actually, it says it's called Plan, but it's a typo. It's called like Planko or something like that. It was one of Tikva's CDs. I'm selling CDs for a friend. Uh, so that sold for a buck. So that was cool. And then I sold the Nurse with Wound double CD of Soliloquy for Lilith. That was pretty funny. I sold it. Then the guy canceled the order. And he's like, I'm sorry. I found a mint copy. Don't, don't be mad at me. And I was like, I don't care. It's cool. Like mine was great. A very good plus. And I was like, but I grade super conservatively. Mine was mint case and, but I, I got shit right once when I first started selling CDs, there was like a minor scratch, and the guy was like, That's not near mint. So I, did, I don't grade any CD above very good plus. So I was like, But I grade conservatively. And then four days later, he showed up again and bought it. So I was like, All right, cool. So sold that. That was pretty good. And then I sold the Glass Bead game by Breathless on vinyl, which you may recall, I just got the vinyl of the reissue the other day. So that worked out really well. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it's a coincidence or what. You know, sometimes like somebody dies or a reissue happens and you sell something and it's not a complete coincidence. I almost wanted to ask them. Because uh, Dominic and Ari from Breathless used to be friends of ours. Rockets, my old band, toured with them a lot. But, you know, I didn't bother. I was like, eh, I'm not going to make friends over Discogs. Shit, man. You know, I got to pause for a moment and say it's good to talk to you guys. In this time of social isolation, we should all have podcasts. It's great. You can pretend people are listening to you and talk all you want about whatever you want and nobody stops you. So you can just talk about yourself. It's great. Thank you a lot. If you're out there as humans, I mean, I know you are because you guys, you know, you text and stuff. So it's awesome. But podcasts really saving my life when my wife is uh, sick and cranky and doesn't talk much and is sleeping 12 hours a day. My baby is pretty pleasant, but you know, weirdly, I'm pretty quiet for me. Cranky for Emma. Anyway, moving on. Uh, no live shows, obviously. Everything's canceled, and I'm really bummed because in April, I assume none of them are coming, both due to Trump's whack job, arbitrary travel ban, and just general sanity. Sanity in the face of insanity. I doubt I'll get to see the Bauhaus Dead Can Dance and Tindersticks shows in uh, New York. I'm not going to go see the residents here. Cat's <laughs> uh, Cradle is still... Uh, Still pretending everything is going to go on. Last email I got from them, but uh, I, I'm not going. That's that's too much. That's too much, man. I can't handle it. Uh, so, you know, vinyl. Got a bunch of vinyl in the mail. I haven't listened to most of it because I have been doing the, the cassette tapes, but I got the Parasite soundtrack on green vinyl. Uh, social media advertising worked on that one. They had a new limited edition. It's on Sacred Bones, right? So that's pretty cool. I love Sacred Bones. It's a great label. And uh, they had an ad out for the new gold vinyl edition because it came out, you know, it won gold at the Oscars. So they made a gold vinyl edition. So I was like, yeah, I'll buy that. And then I go up there. And then the older, smaller run green vinyl edition, grass green vinyl edition, had not been sold out. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get that instead. So I got the green vinyl, grass green vinyl. It's it's lovely. Very beautiful packaging. Strongly recommended. Uh, the new Caroline Rose record just arrived yesterday. It is beautiful. It's called Superstar. I did listen to that, and it is fantastic. I'm a giant Caroline Rose fan these days, as you may recall. Uh, Rowan S. Howard from The Birthday Party has released, well, has, 
I mean, you know, Roland died 11 years ago, but uh, the <laughs> state, uh, somebody released the first American vinyl edition of Teenage Snuff Films. So that's pretty great. It's uh, out through Vinyl Me, please. And it's fantastic. I mean, I already have listened to that record hundreds, hundreds of times in my life. So I got that on vinyl, which is very exciting. Six Organs of Admittance has a new record, and it is awesome. It's called Companion Rises. Strongly recommend if you're into that sort of thing or, uh, you know, his other bands. Ben Chesney's bands. God, that guy rules, man. I swear to God. He's <laughs> he's amazing. Greg Dooley got that on vinyl, the new album, the new first quote unquote first solo album from Greg Dooley, Random Desire. He's coming to the cradle. I don't know if that show is gonna happen. I think it's in May, so there's a chance, but uh yeah, I would be bummed to miss the Dooley show. I'm hoping all these things just get postponed, right? But especially the New York ones where like Dead Can Dance and Bauhaus were on Tuesdays, and that's when I'm in town, and that's just like not and Tinder Sticks, that's not gonna happen again. I don't know what's gonna happen with those. That's that's kind of a bummer. But uh uh, Dooley, that's great. Uh, I forgot to mention last time when I was at School Kids Records in Chapel Hill with, with my friend Jasek. Uh, I also got uh, a vinyl copy of Sinead O'Connor's They Do Not Want One I've Not Got, and it was the Greek pressing, and it was like $4, and it's in great condition. It was a fantastic find, actually. Kind of just, I'm a little shocked, but I love her. And, you know, I wish I could go to the City Winery Show in New York. Uh, I, I don't even know if it happened yet, or if it's going to, or if it's been rescheduled, or what. But, uh, God, you know, I saw her once on the I Do Not Want One I've Not Got tour, but I'd love to see her again. Uh, you know, like... Strong personality, a little erratic at times, but she's, you know, she's fucking right, man. You listen to that record now, like Black Boys on Mopeds and Three Babies. When I was a kid, you know, I was like, oh, this is a little strong. I don't know. Maybe her politics are a little radical. Like, no, she's totally right. She's always been right. (laughs) She's one of those people that's right about things like sexual harassment and sexism, and it makes them a little crazy, and then we think they're crazy, man. But anyway, she's fucking awesome. And uh, the first two Big Star records got reissued, and I did not have them because I've always been really a third sister lover kind of guy but i love the first two records but i just never owned them and it was time so now i own them so that's all the vinyl that's come in uh i guess actually in fairness one two three four five i have listened to all of it except for the parasite soundtrack so that's pretty good uh and then other stuff i listened to i think i mentioned ricky last time right r-i-k-i new uh, solo kind of goth synthy thing on deus records it's great i've been listening to that a lot his name is Alive, who's a band, a band, an act, a soloist that has been with me most of my adult life. I bought my first His Name is Alive record, Livonia, from Second Coming Music in Harvard Square in, I think, 1991, maybe even early, late night. No, probably early 91, Livonia. Uh, didn't, you know, I finally saw him on the Home is in Your Head tour and down in New York at Brownies uh, with Difference Engine and Swell. Difference Engine being my old friend Aubrey Anderson's first band. And, uh, I've, you know, I saw, actually saw him at uh, Rough Trade right before we left Brooklyn, too. I think that was the 25th anniversary tour. It makes sense. It's been 30 years. Uh, but he's re-releasing or releasing all this like home recordings from early years, uh, 1979, 1986, all the mirrors in the house home recordings. And I saw him tweet the other day or somebody tweet to him uh, about a volume two. Might have been a joke. I haven't double checked yet, but there might be more. It's great. I wish I made music that good when I was a child in high school. I think he's a couple years older than me. Um, I met him once with my friend Mike Anderson. We drove to Livonia. <laughs> Mike was even more obsessed than I did. was. And yeah, 96, maybe? Something like that. Uh, anyway, I think he's a couple years older than me. So, you know, 89 for me, I'd be 17. Or 79, I'd be 7. So, obviously, I wasn't making music like that. 
But uh, it's great. I'm very impressed. And then uh, Ulfie, Sex and Dreams and Denim Jeans. Great record. I don't know anything about Ulfie. I don't remember why I put it in the playlist. Might have been a Nikki thing. Might have been just reading about him Pitchfork. But uh, it's great. There's a bunch of stuff I listen to that I don't actually know why I put it in there. And there's two more. Uh, Alejandro Fernandez, Hancho in Mexico. Oh, no, that was from my friend Catherine and Marfa. That makes sense. And then uh, Daniela's Averi and Alejandro Cortini, Enter Exit. Don't know why I listened to that. It was great. Don't remember a lot about it, but I'm going to listen to it again. It's still in the queue. Uh, I'm going to be giving the To Investigate queue a real, real, like, a lot of attention as soon as I'm done with this uh, cassette mix thing. Uh, so, I really, I'm just listening to, like, the things I need to listen to to keep up in the world. Just listen to the new Grimes, Misanthropocene. It was good. Uh, and I was kind of, like, unmoved. And then I was driving around the other day, and that song that everybody likes about her is uh, her first hit. I can't remember what it's called. It came on my Spotify playlist and I was like, you know what? Grimes is pretty good. Like Elon Musk thing and the weird thing and this and that, but uh, I should give that almost a second chance. So I'm going to this week. Basically what happens is around three 30, I finished ripping tapes and it's like, yeah, I'm getting off at five. I don't know. I have 90 minutes to do another tape. So I'll listen to an album today. So maybe I get one in if I'm lucky on a day. Listen to the new Caribou. Suddenly, it's fantastic. I think I'm going to need to buy that on vinyl. Caribou's so good. And, you know, I was so... Uh, uh, what's the word? I didn't know how good I had it back when I would see that dude live all the time. I've probably seen Caribou and Caribou Vibration Ensemble in Manitoba 10 times live in their various incarnations through the ATPs and the tours and the Paradise shows in Boston when I would go to shows like every week. And God, they're all so good. And this album's so good. That guy's so good. Why don't I pay more attention to him, man? I hope this album is huge. But, you know, what's going to be huge when nobody's paying attention right now, right? New Soccer Mommy Color Theory is very good. Really enjoyed that. Uh, she is a soloist. It's a little shoegazy, a little, little mm, ambient, dark. No, you know, in pop, in, in the pop realm, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, Pygmalion by Slow Dive or anything like that. It's good though. I'm really into it. I listened to the new Mandy Moore because I'm completely obsessed with Mandy Moore and I've been obsessed with Mandy Moore forever. And, uh, she's got a new album. It's called silver landings. It's fine. Uh, you know, what's interesting about it. She's married to the guy from Dawes and it sounds musically a lot like Dawes and Dawes sounds like innovative and weird sounding like this. And when Mandy does the exact same, I mean, you could swap out the vocals and it would sound like a Dawes song. Right. And I actually like her voice better than the guy from Dawes, but like for some reason the two combined, it sounds less weird, uh, more like a little pastiche on it. Almost. Uh, my favorite uh, Mandy Moore album has always been, you know, uh, Wild Nothings with Merrimack on it. And uh, is that right? Oh, God. It's been a while. Anyway, Emma and I went and saw Mandy Moore. <laughs> <laughs> at the paradise for like $2 back in like 2009. And, uh, I've been obsessed ever since she did that one song. I really, really love, uh, live, not the hit. You, you wouldn't know this song. I don't even know. Gardenia it's called. And she did it like almost acapella, very ambient sparse background. And I was just like, you are the most amazing woman on the planet. Uh, yeah. You know, anyway, uh, this was before him and I were dating. So I'm allowed, you know, whatever. <laughs> wasn't saying that next to the girl I was dating or anything. Uh, and then I listened to the new Fantagram because somebody said it was awesome and it's good, but I didn't think it was awesome. I just I was like, eh, it's okay. It's a good record. Uh, but I've only, I've listened to it twice, but not very closely. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it some more. So that's music for the week, two weeks. More than I thought actually with the, with the cassette tape stuff, but I guess it's that whole like, uh, hour at the end of the day i can't rip another tape so it's been yeah i guess i've been keeping up i mean uh, the two investigate list is just getting out of control let's move it over from the third monitor here uh and yeah i mean there's a lot on here i haven't even listened to yet right there's a new margot price 
Uh, oh, I'm really into this song by some, I don't know anything about her. Her name is Yeji, and she's got this song, Rain Girl. Make it rain, make it rain. It's probably, I think the kids are into it. I don't know. I saw it in a YouTube video or something. Uh, Dream Wife Sports, Nikki sent me that. That was pretty great, and the video is awesome. Uh, I haven't, there's a new body count. I haven't listened to that yet. Carly Fuchs, who I'm kind of obsessed with. <laughs> she has like a, like a new single. Cattle Decapitation's got a new album if you're into, you know, grimy death metal. Ali X has got a new album. I haven't listened to that yet. Uh, actually, I've been doing okay. Oh, there's a new Sonic Boom for Spaceman 3 single. I did listen to that, just imagine. It's pretty good. There's an album coming out. And that's actually, like, so I bought his, bought it from him on Bandcamp because it's got the funky cover, like, embossed metallic. And I have all the old Sonic Boom and Spectrum albums, first pressings, beautiful covers, right? And then, like, two days later, Vinyl Me Please, that was the, the one on Bandcamp is black vinyl. And then, like, two days later in Vinyl Me Please, they announce a normal covered blue vinyl one. And I'm like, I'm a colored vinyl guy, right? So I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to buy in the old days, any Spaceman 3 related thing I would have bought. I mean, I have three different copies of Spectrum, the first Sonic Boom album. So maybe I will buy it, but I don't know, man. It's a little, little, little frustrating. Uh, I did listen to that. This is a Timberlake song from the Trolls album. It's really good. The other side. And uh, actually, I've been keeping up okay. Looking through here. There's a new Jarbo single. That was really awesome. Illusory. I think that's going to be for a whole album, but the album's not out yet. Uh, and then there's stuff in here I haven't listened to, like new ghostly signings, Jocelyn and Caitlin Aurelius Smith. I haven't listened to those yet. Uh, Hilda Goodendaughter, who won the uh, the Oscar for Best Soundtrack. I haven't listened to that yet. Somebody told me this sensational Alex Harvey band's the greatest band ever, so I added like three albums of his. Haven't listened to any of that yet. Slow Crush, don't remember that. Uh, Rupa, King Cruel, Holy Ghost, uh, all this stuff I haven't listened to yet. So I will get to all of it. WH Lung, Lightning Dust. Oh my God, there's so much. Field music, motion graphics. That's it. Okay, so that's not too bad. That's not too bad. I have been keeping up 50%-ish. Uh, TV, I'm basically not watching any TV. I watch a lot of MSNBC to watch the world fall apart. I watch the elections. I watched uh, Bernie go down, uh, you know, with profoundly mixed emotions about it. And I mean, once my candidate was out, you know, it's kind of, and I've already voted. I'm kind of a helpless bystander here. I mean, obviously I'm not fully helpless bystander. I could take a stand one way or the other and, uh, donate money to these campaigns, but really like, you know, there's a week between my primary and the next primary that I had a hunch would be very decisive. So I didn't really, and I had reservations enough about both of them that I didn't feel like donating. So, you know, right or wrong, I'm going to donate to the winner regardless. And, uh, looks like that's going to be Joe Biden. Yeah. Uh, when I talk on Twitter about politics, I don't say terrible things about him all the time. So I get a lot of shit for that. Uh, it's not like I think Biden is the most amazing presidential candidate ever. I am more actually stricken with wonder at how well he's done for how little campaigning he's done. It's kind of amazing. I mean, that is profoundly amazing. And I'm interesting with interested in the, uh, that he's not electable when he seems to win so much without trying. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, I don't know. And you know, I, I obviously I am, I'm a, anybody, but Trump will be better. I think Biden, you know, personally don't think his politics are exactly dead on or couldn't even tell you exactly what they stand for, except for some vague centrist liberalism of the nineties. But there are things, you know, I will say, I'm going to talk politics today. Fuck it. This, we might all die. Right. 
I've read a few books about things like you know, from the beginning of the Obama administration and things like that. And Biden actually comes off very well in those books. Biden was the voice of reason against expanding the war in Afghanistan. He was not listened to, but he like repeatedly told them that it was not worth it, that the surge was not worth it, that none of it was going to work. And he was proven right. Biden is the man that uh, kind of got out ahead of of Obama on gay marriage and said it was going to happen. And people like chalk that up to being him being Biden and blurting it out. But I don't think that's what happened. I think Biden actually like was like, it's time dude, and had the political instincts to do it. He's not all bad in that way, but really what I think is like, if Biden and I don't actually, I can't, I suspect looking at the polls, Biden has a half to 1% better chance than Bernie than winning. If you look at the latest polls on 538, but all things I considered, I believe they're equally likely to beat, uh, Trump. I see both sides. I see the, the, the Bernie inspiring people that aren't in the politics side. I see Biden in the centrist side. I don't understand people that think one or two of those is wrong. I don't have near the confidence to say which, but anyway, assuming he does win, I think that like he, and we were to take the Senate, we would have Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in the Senate, provided Biden didn't reward Elizabeth in some way for not endorsing. And if we took the Senate and we had those two, two very, very strong presidential candidates in the Senate, the Senate is going to lead the exact policy discussion in a lot of these things. Biden obviously could, you know, control which things we try for first, but the Senate will craft the bills most of the time. And, you know, at best we'll have a slim majority and you're going to need Bernie and Elizabeth on your bill. And therefore I think most of the bills and you're obviously not going to get a single fucking Republican vote. Right. So most of the bills I think could end up being pretty progressive. So I don't think it's terrible. The green new deal is the big unknown. I wish you would commit to it and it stresses me out, but you know, at this point, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to write a check to whoever fucking wins the primary. That's what I'm going to do. Anyway, moving on. I'm sorry about that. Won't keep doing that. Uh, where were we? Oh yeah. TV. So, you know, I've been watching that, watching the, the elections, watching Trump's press conferences. The first one where he totally fucked up the second one where he basically ushered in a new corporate America, <laughs> corporate syntocracy is what I think they call it in civilization. The post democracy governmental forms they have in civilization gathering storm that I've been playing, uh, you know, he did his nice, uh, speech with 25 CEOs and two doctors and shook everybody's hands and touched the mic a lot so i assume they're all gonna die refused to answer any questions when people pointed out how many people he's been hanging out with that had the coronavirus acted loopy swear to god you could hear him breathing heavily i think the guy's probably got it but we're just gonna pretend he doesn't i guess because you know both sides have a vested interest in pretending he doesn't (laughs) uh yeah so msnbc lovely uh Finish Bojack Horseman. Good ending, actually. I kind of I like the ending. I have no complaints. Uh, I'm glad it ended too because it was getting a little Californication where poor Bojack he just stumbles into accidentally looking like he's hooking up with a teenager. It's a it's a trope in 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 screenwriting for television series that, that bothers me. You have your character, you know. In Bojack's defense, he often actually did awful things, but you know. Uh, there's a lot of like misunderstandings that escalate. It's like basically make like threes company hijinks, misunderstanding comedy, dirty and call it edgy. Right. But, uh, the, the dialogue's great. Like the, the, the personal stuff's great. The having an asexual character was amazing. Single mom stuff. Uh, it was great. I really, it was very solidly done. 
And speaking of Will Arnett, we've been watching Brickmasters because I'm a Lego nerd. And it's, uh, you know, I, I can't really say if it's good or bad because I don't really watch reality shows, but I'm into it. Uh, the uh, Mine and Emma's two favorite builders got kicked off, though, so that's a bummer. If you're watching it, I'm sure you know who we're talking about, but uh, that was sad. I watched the first episode of Hillary. I'm going to watch the rest, but I've only watched one. It, it makes me too angry. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's good to remember how amazing, you know, she was when she was young because people forget or the, if they ever knew because the, you know, I have a whole, I wrote an essay about this back in that election and, uh, you know, about, uh, short-term advertising strength and long-term advertising and, uh, Byron Sharp and, you know, how brands grow and contrasted against, uh, the standard, uh, studies, economic advertising studies of pol political campaigns and how political advertising hasn't generally worked because it's too short term and advertising only really works when you goes long term and Hillary Clinton and the Republican assault against her was 20 years long. So it was the first sustained long-term political assault and advertising, like a brand building kind of thing that brands do across the decade. And that's the advertising that's most empirically proven to work. And Hillary is the first sort of victim of that. And, uh, you know, I wrote all that back then, and then you got, of course, in the, uh, the primary against Bernie, you had the, the left attacking her as well. So it's good to, like, watch this and remember how progressive and interesting and amazing she actually was when she was younger. So, uh, of course, it'll just upset you as well. So, I don't know. Recommend it if you're a political junkie. But really, all I've been watching is Civ live streams constantly. <laughs> this guy, the game mechanic. And it is very soothing and Jane kind of likes them. And we watch them in the morning when she first wakes up and they're great. And, uh, it makes me happy and it is totally escapist. It's like plot free escapism, right? It's beyond reality show escapism. It's just a dude playing video games. I'm so into it. Uh, I've watched no movies except Emma put on Lilo and stitch for Jane and I had never seen it. It came out basically, you know, in my avant-garde years. So I was not really paying attention to Disney movies that year, but nobody ever told me it was a sci-fi movie. <laughs> I had no idea. And I was actually kind of into this. I want to, I want to, I want a second Lilo and stitch. There probably is one. That was the period where they always made bad sequels, right? Of just the space components of Lilo and stitch. <laughs> It'd be kind of like a, like a tie into star wars rebels since they own that now right that'd be oh my god that'd be amazing sorry anyway books okay let's see i read lurking how a person became a user by joanne mcneil joanne mcneil is an academic and a tech writer that i have known for i don't know maybe almost a decade now she's great i think i met her originally at RaffleCon. it's been so long I haven't seen her in a few years, obviously. I live down here, and she's a bit reclusive. But uh, it's a great book. It's sort of a survey of the history of the social component of the Internet. So, you know, from used groups, Usenet, through, like, uh, Friendster, LiveJournal, stuff like that. Left Out, Makeout Club, which bummed me a little bit. Didn't give LiveJournal quite enough of its due, you know, really. Uh, but a lot of stuff I didn't know about, like an interesting electronic community in New York, because I didn't live there then. And it was educational, even for somebody like me that's been on social internet since BBSs and dial-up. Uh, I learned something. It was great. It's a quick read. It's quite pleasant. And, uh, you know, it reminded me how awful Google and Facebook are. Not that I need reminding. But, uh, yeah, it's a good book. And now I'm tackling uh, Thomas Piketty's Capital and Ideology. Uh, I am one of the few people that actually read all of Capital in the 21st century, so I'm going to tackle this one. It's hard, though. I'm only three or four days in. It's a 1,000 pages, and it's very hard for me to read it because I'm usually, like, stressed out about coronavirus and tired and stayed up too late watching the world implode. So I could be reading this for a very long time. 
The Star Wars novel comes out soon, so I'll probably just stop and read that in the middle of it. But I'm going to finish Capital and Ideology, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle my struggle. That's it. That's what's happening next. It's happening, man. Long book year is in effect. Work work is going great. So we were on the early side of calling it on work from home for the coronavirus. So we we called it last Wednesday. And started last Thursday working from home. So, I'm sorry, last, it last is in nine days ago now. Eight, nine, so eight, nine, ten days ago now. So, you know, it's been going well. Um, it's been going very well, actually. Like, for me, you know, I work from home 18 of 20 days in the month, right? So, I guess 16 out of 20 days in the work month. But uh, they all work at the office, and uh, now they're all working home. And for me, it actually makes it a little bit better because when we do a conference call, I'm not the only one on the conference call where everybody else is sitting in a room. We use the thing called a conference owl, meeting owl. It's really great, but, you know, it's hard for me to talk or, like, if I go to the bathroom, they think I'm not listening or, like, I have to interrupt and there's a lag and it's awkward. But now once everybody's on a computer at home, it just works much better. So I've actually been enjoying it. It's been better for for me having them all work from home. Uh, but yeah, it's working. you know, look at velocity in our project management thing. Everything's going fine. We had a new hire, two new hires in the last week or two. Uh, we got a new office manager. She got like four days in the office and then it closed. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. And then we got a new QA guy and he has not been to the office at all. Although his last job, he worked remotely the entire time. So he's like, whatever, man, I I'm used to working remotely. So he's, he's doing pretty well. And then we got an old employee back, which is really great. So three new people started up. It's all working pretty well. Uh, you know, the, the time hop is an ad supported business. So revenue is, is worrisome, but so far it, it's gone down, but not terribly. We will see what happens in the next week or two. That is a little stressful, but I have, hold on. I'm sorry about that. Just the ending tag on this audio file because this episode is longer than last episode. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. You know, ad supported business. So that's a little stressful, but I really like, in the same way that I'm a prepper in my personal life, I've been a prepper in my business life. Like we were very scarred by the 2008 uh, recession at Barbarian, and I had a line of credit that was my backup if things went bad because it was a service-based business and our clients didn't pay for 30 to 60 days. And so, you know, you have to hire against work and we were always growing. So it was always a sort of this thing. I wrote all about an agency if you're curious. But anyway... When the recession happened, two things happened. Our line of credit was immediately called in, not because of anything we did, but because of our bank, Bank of America. It was going to shit, so they called in all their lines of credit to like reduce the, their balance sheet. So suddenly, my buffer disappeared, and then all my clients said, oh, we're going to change unilaterally your payment terms from 60, 30 days or 60 days to 90 days or 180 days. One client, <clears throat> GE change their payment terms to 180 days. They just weren't going to pay their bills for six months. So all of a sudden nobody was paying us and our line of credit went away and we did manage and we didn't go to business and we sold and we, we, we got through it. We had to do layoffs though. And I'm resentful and bitter about it to this day. And I probably lost a couple friends from it. So I've made a vow. I'm never going to make that mistake again. And I have saved up an incredible amount of money at time up. I did a lot of math and if revenue stays where it is now and we make some, you know, no personnel, but I, I, I tighten costs here and there, we can go like two or three years in this environment. So I maybe slightly overdid it, but, uh, you know, we'll be okay. Like nobody's going to get laid off or anything like that, which is a bold thing to say, I realize, but 
you know, they all know we've, everybody knows I'm like a, a pack rat when it comes to money. So at, at work, uh, the board sometimes looks vaguely askance at me, but I suspect they'll be pleased with it now. Right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's going to go well. I think that we'll, we'll be, we'll be all right at work. Uh, and I'm trying to just, you know, make sure like all our vendors, everybody else stays employed. That's kind of like my main thing is keep people, keep people working, keep America moving. Jesus. God, that was the worst that ever. Anyway, yeah, works. So it's going pretty well. Going pretty well. Projects. Uh, not heard from those Japanese translation people. I leave it on here every week to sort of remind myself that I should check in with them. Uh, and then I talked a little bit about the second album. I'm starting to percolate thinking about working on the second album again after all my archiving projects. And I started a new funny thing where I'm just screen capturing every email from every institution that sends an email about the coronavirus, about COVID-19. Like, you know, venues, record labels, museums, politicians, everything. I just screenshot them. I want, I'm going to make some sort of like Pinterest board, except for Pinterest won't let you do it right now. Something. I'm going to do something with them. It's just fun. And I really like the one that's sort of like I've gotten three different emails from them so far the first one is like we're being extra clean and the second one is like oh this one show is canceled and the third one's like yeah okay we're done we're closed <laughs> I shouldn't laugh this isn't funny I'm just trying to get through it man <laughs> Uh, so that's a new project. It takes two seconds each time, but it'll, it'll be good. It'll be interesting. And then health diet. So, so, uh, I'm still doing the 18 hours thing. That's good. And breakfast is good. And lunch is good, but dinner with, you know, we've been cooking at home more and Emma eats a lot of carbs. I've been trying to like not do it, but I'm the weight's fine. Weight's, you know, it's going down very slowly, but, uh, I'm just like, Oh, I should be more hardcore about this. And I, I don't want to like, uh, have this whole thing be an excuse, right? I should, I should. I should keep the diet going. And I have started taking my statins. I don't know what my cholesterol is like now. That's the other thing. They're like, cholesterol, they're like, eat some whole grains and drink red wine. I'm like, man, those are things I avoid on my diet, grain and wine. But I've been drinking red wine with Emma. We split a bottle, not a bottle, a, a tiny bottle, a, one glass. We split a, split a glass in, in the evening. And, uh, you know, I've been eating some brown rice and things like that. So it's been slowing down the weight loss. But theoretically, those are all good for good cholesterol. So hopefully that'll have an impact and I will still manage to lose a little weight. We shall see. We shall see. it for this week i hope everything's okay with you i hope you're being safe i hope you're being careful i hope you're you know st staying in and not going to crazy events with sneezing people but you're still getting some exercise being you know I, I, everybody seems pretty stressed and I, i'm thinking about you guys especially my friends in the events industry it's terrible my heart goes with you let me know how i can help take care